Michael Vincent the Dude. Hey, good Monday afternoon from Potato Alley. Potato yep. Salad Alley, I guess. Yeah, a lot of controversy. A little bit. A lot bit. of controversy yesterday on, on Twitter over how to make a proper potato salad. You started salad. a storm last night on Twitter, didn't you? Well, because the truth is that eggs don't belong in oh, potato salad, and right. I, I think that after our discussion, we're going to prove that on Friday by having Freight's First Potato salad eating competition. I think we're going to prove that eggs do belong in potato salad. All right, Among you're going to make your things. best. I'm going to make a New York okay. traditional right. deli-style potato salad. We're going to feed it to the Freightways TV team on Friday, and they'll declare who the winner is. We're going to force feed it. Some of those guys do not like potato salad. Yeah, but some of them have slacked <laughs> me, and they said, hey, I heard that there's going to be a potato salad judging competition. I want to be a part of it. So I love we're it. going to invite them all in. We do agree Duke's Mayo. Duke's man, you got to put Duke's man. Got to be there. Duke's. Got to be Duke's. Well, we got a lot this of stuff is... to get to today. We're going to get to the war on detention. We're going to get to dot times. We're going to get to an incredible woman who started as a corrections officer yeah. and a truck driver, became a CEO of her own company. Plus, all your latest news. But before we get to headlines, let's tip the band. Net zero emissions by 2035. That's the headline from AIT Worldwide Logistics Sustainability Report. But just one aspect of their overall commitment to corporate social responsibility. Whether it's protecting the planet, nurturing the communities where we live and work, or ensuring high-quality business continuity, AIT is taking action today to deliver a better tomorrow. Learn more at Tell em, Dude. Hey, go to AITWorldwide.com. And I love your hat, by the way. Thank you. <coughs> Let's get to some headlines. A little Heisenberg trade right now. Coming out as the true villain. The true <laughs> villain who runs this shit, man. Yeah, you go, right. man. Fly formula, fly. Not villains. Good stuff. Maybe PR stunt. I don't know. Let's see what we have to see here. But look at the shelves in Walmart. This is from uh, Twitter over here. It's at Walmart. The struggle is real. I was over at Walmart here in Chattanooga over the weekend. Yeah. Similar situation. Did you go check it out? And I th- it's like the toilet paper thing, too. I think it's one of those situations where you tell everybody that we're running out of the formula. Everyone goes and buys some more extra formula, too. So oh, big, dire situation over there. However, over the weekend, we did get some relief sent in. This is from the uh, Secretary of Defense right here. He says, Operation Fly Formula's first flight has landed. The C-17 contains more than 70,000 pounds of infant formula. It just touched down in Indiana. Thanks to everyone for making this mission happen. Um, 70,000? Not a full flight. I'm not sure why they couldn't send them all there. But Ryan Peterson of Flexport, too, their CEO, he stepped up, too. He saw this news and he said, uh, open offer to the President of the United States. Flexport will ship any quantity of baby formula for the U.S. government um, from anywhere in the world to the U.S. for free. Give him a call. Go ahead. Give him a call. Free shipping. That's awesome stuff. Eric Coolidge reported that that C-17 cargo, 132 pallets is what it brought. Yeah. Nestle's Alpha Mino Infant and Alpha Mino Junior formula from Ramstein Air Force Base in Germany. And FedEx uh, Express and Ground is going to move this stuff out of Indiana to uh, 78,000 pounds of it, right? Enough for 500,000 baby bottles to a Nestle Health Science Distribution Center, according to the, the White House for Express Delivery Company. I mean, 500... Doesn't sound like a lot, does it? It doesn't sound like a lot when you're... I mean, it sounds like maybe it can help out Indiana. Now, what's important about this particular formula, this isn't your general formula here. The uh, Alpha Amino products, they are prioritized because they are special formula types for babies who are allergic to uh-huh. cow's milk and can't have that substitute. Those are gotcha. in critical short supply. So that might also explain why they couldn't fill this entire C-70 up. 
Yeah, well, it makes sense, too. I mean, you bring that in there, and then the kids who have, the, I guess, they're lactose intolerant, right? Uh, my, my kids did not have that issue, but, uh, yeah, that's great. That said, we're still short 85%, at least 85%. for... 85%. Because there's this quote here from uh, the National Economic Council that said on CNN State of the Union on Sunday that the flight will carry about 15% of the needed amount of hypoallergenic formula and be available to, formula to families this week. But how long is that needed amount? I'd need a little bit more details there. Yeah. We don't have those. Um, yeah. Highway 47 in Colorado was closed for over 10 hours yesterday after mm. a turbine took a tumble. Let's take a look at this. Uh, Pueblo Police Department tweeted, the eastbound lanes of Highway 47 are closed from the I-25 on-ramp to Dillon Drive due to an accident. Please use alternative routes to access business in the area. We were just talking about these things last week. Yeah, we were, man. That's the one thing that really scares me is rolls and stuff like that coming off those flatbeds. Investigators don't know for sure why the truck toppled, but no one was injured during this wreck, thank goodness. And it happened somewhere around 8 a.m. on Sunday. Uh, they got a crane in there trying to get this thing removed, right? Yeah, not easy, oh, not easy. Easy to get that stuff off no. the ground. No. All right. Well, unlike baby formula, a lot of inventories are bloated, according to major retailers. You probably heard some of those earnings yeah. reports last week from the Targets of the world and the Walmarts of the world. Well, in that major, especially in the big and bulky furniture space, um, uh, building materials, garden materials, other general merchandise, that's the Walmarts, Targets of the world, like we just mentioned. According to data from Michigan State, those inventories are blowing up. What does that mean? Well, according to Jason Miller, he expects a cool down in retail order volumes, even if inflation-adjusted sales stay consistent as retailers look to uh, reduce their existing stock. He also expects retailers to launch major discounting programs to expedite this inventory bird. Uh, fewer orders within certain category bodes ill for carriers whose networks are dependent on those certain types of freight. So what he's saying here basically is freight's yeah. going to slow down. Yeah. Because not as many things are being bought. And in the meantime, all these retailers have all these goods in the warehouse that they've That's got exactly to right. blow out. And remember that shutdown over in China? That flood pipe people are talking about? Well, they got all new inventory coming, too. Yep. So maybe if you're waiting on a couch or a giant TV or something, hang tight for a couple weeks or a month here, and you're going to see some deep discounts according to that. Yeah, absolutely. Bascom Majors, really, he concurs. He's an analyst for Susquehanna Investment Group, and he talks about the year-over-year sales and inventory spread that really turned positive during the spring of 2020. Everybody's buying everything, right? Yeah. And it went crazy, and it was getting into more and more positive territories we went on. However, gradually, it's been turning negative. And according to majors, in this year's first quarter, the inventory growth exceeded sales growth by 200 basis points. And really, the inflation is blowing that out of the water and causing havoc. It really is. You know, one of the things that we're also going to see here is that retailers are going to want to lower their shipper bills. They spent yeah. two years battling them, paying those rates, making sure freight move. Well, now they're going to bear up again, and they're going to switch modes, too. You're going to see a lot moving over to intermodal and rail, where time is not nearly as sensitive. It's, in fact, yeah. they want to delay some of these goods as much as possible when you have an inventory glut like this. Now, yeah. this is an, e an economic indicator, but I was reading this, this, this thread on okay. Twitter from a bunch of strippers, female <laughs> entertainers, and they were saying that it doesn't matter what economists say because they are the first telltale side of the economy. When the club is empty, that means there's not a ton of money to spend. Discretionary so spending goes down. They said the first thing you do empty. is put those $1 bills back in your pocket, That's right? That's what they said. They all said right. the club's been empty. So not as many people in there. It looks like uh, all the not things that are starting to the track. $1 bills. You know what doesn't track, though? Actually, you know what's another trend line that we're going to talk about oh, right yeah, now that's yeah, getting yeah. even worse? I, is I wait times at docks. You should have shown our chart earlier. And let's take a look at that one. We got a sonar chart here that shows how wait times have been growing again. It looks like they dipped down a little bit. Freight volumes were dying out. It looks like yeah. some, it, that we benefited there in wait times, but they're right back up. Yeah, end of the year, they dropped to, to near nothing or, you know, 
relative nothing, and then yeah. it spiked again, went down. Now they're just up and down all over the place. I don't think we can decide what the hell to do with wait times right now. I don't necessarily know if we can. Let's talk to Kevin Nadu, though. He's founder and CEO over at True Load Time, and he is helping to fight that war against right detention on. time. Kevin, thanks for coming on the show. It's great to see you in Arkansas. Hey, good morning, gentlemen. Good morning. How did, uh, how did uh, the, uh, the Razorback State treat you? <laughs> it, yeah, it's all good, man. You got a great, great team. Oh, okay, <laughs> cool. Excellent, well, excellent. look, he's got the masters back there, golf guy. Well, let, let's see this. You put this on LinkedIn. You wrote, "If driver retention is the key to the supply chain, we need to get to work on issues that drivers find most important." Obviously, detention time is one of them. Talk a little bit about that. We just showed that chart. Detention time going back up. What's the issue? Yeah, I think uh, to touch on your point, that's something that's frustrated me. Uh, I come from the asset-based side of the trucking community, mm. uh, 20 years on transportation and logistics, managing drivers. And when I see the, the disparity between the top industry issues between the drivers and the fleets, you know, I'm thinking if you want to retain drivers, pay attention to what they say is important. Um, pay, parking, and attention. Those are the top three things. So uh, particularly for me, Truckload detention is that uh, is that focus for true load time. We really want to eliminate those blind spots and uh, and create some transparency, kind of smooth out the um, you know those peaks and valleys uh, with wait times, and that's what we uh, built true load time to do. So how does that work, Kevin? Because you know I put that out there at detention times. It drive me nuts. And why sure. certain industries get away with things like why is it that if you go to a food distribution place, you have to put everything on new wood? I don't understand. It doesn't make any sense to me. But so what are you doing there? What what? How can we affect this? Yeah, absolutely. So my opinion, uh, truckload detention exists because of the incredible uh, disparity or the, the the sheer numbers of trucking companies we have in the industry. It, Basically, we aren't able to learn from one another. We all have to fall down and skin our knees and learn that that place wasn't very efficient. If I ever go back there, I'll have to charge them more money, build in more time, adjust my delivery windows. So nothing ever changes because we just don't share that information with one another. What I designed True Load Time to be is this completely independent uh data aggregator that sits in the middle of everyone. We're not a track and trace. We're not a visibility provider. We're not a TMS. We're not a carrier. We're not a broker. We're just a data aggregator. We're able to partner with all the visibility suppliers, the truckload carriers, freight brokers, 3PLs, both asset and non-asset, to pull all of that uh, information in, their, their wait time info, basically, aggregate, anonymize, and then push it back out into the community so that we can learn in advance before we, you know, make these operational decisions that uh, sometimes turn out to be, you know, uh, less than desirable. Now, you're the founder. Do you remember when you got the idea to start the company and why the company? Why were you like, you know what, this is a viable idea. Let's use tech and transparency to attack detention time. Yeah, actually, I do remember it very well. I was, uh, I was managing a truckload fleet and sitting in my office uh, I think I was repositioning a piece of equipment from Chicago land back down to Atlanta. And we, we hit a, a load board called the broker. What is it? What does it weigh? What does it pay? When does it pick up? When does it deliver? How long am I going to be there? You know, same thing we normally do. We booked the load and, um, you know, dispatched our driver, uh, there. And then I remember my cell phone rang a couple hours later and the driver was on site and, uh, Back of the queue, there was no estimate on how long it would take to get to the dock. We reassured the driver, hey, don't worry, you know, we'll get you taken care of. 
so we do everything we could do on our end. We reached out to the broker who uh, said they would reach out to the facility. Anyway, long story short, a couple of hours later, my cell phone's ringing again. It's the same driver. They're still at the back of the queue. We've been there well over three and a half hours. We're not even at a door. And I remember thinking at that point, my gosh, if if I would have known what to have expected at this particular location, I would have bid it differently or I would have skipped it all together. There were 12 loads out in Chicago that I could have grabbed that day. And I selected that one just not knowing what I was getting into. You know, and then the light bulb went off. Well, wait a second. I'm not the first person that's ever showed up at this facility. What if there was a way for us to share anonymized data? And I don't necessarily mean hmm. uh, website reviews like, uh, hey, the forklift operator had a, a bad attitude or, you know, something like that. There are, there are some uh, platforms that do that. But I'm talking objective data, just just real data, you know, numbers driven data that could help me determine whether or not I want to visit this facility. And so uh, that was way back in late 2017, started putting pen to paper and figuring out how I could do this, what would be the barriers to companies participating, you know, how could I ensure data integrity, data quality, and uh, yeah, the rest is history. Here we are. Yeah, so Kevin, that's it's, it's interesting because when you start out with this, I'm sure it was very much uh, seen as a shame and blame type of thing, right? But you, you, it needs to go positive. How has that been received by shippers, et cetera? Are they starting to use some of this positive or negative stuff within those like longer term bids, not just the spot market contracts? Yeah, yeah, that's a good point. Um, you know, in in full transparency, which is all I know how to do, it's incredibly polarizing for the shipping receiving community. Mm-hmm. If you are a if you're a uh, a tech enabled company and you've spent all the time and resources on that technology or personnel or resources and you have an incredibly efficient shipping and receiving operation, then you really like what TLT is doing because we are, you know, we're, we're trumpeting for you or on your behalf that you guys are doing a great job as compared to others in your space or geography. Conversely, you know, some of those industries that you mentioned earlier, the, the you know, the groceries, food and bev, cold storage, you know, I hate to pick on uh, any particular industry, but, you know, we've, we've been there. Um, you know, those industries don't necessarily like what we're up to because all of a sudden the way that they've done business in the past may not be sustainable. All of a sudden, if we inform all of the all of the carriers out there, the uh, small, the micros, the independents of what to expect, you know, we anticipate that's going to have a pretty significant change uh, to the industry and mm-hmm. potentially their, you know, their ability to continue business as usual. Hold on. Can we, can we pick on them? Who are the worst offenders? Who are the DNGs? Who should you never go to because they're going to waste your time and waste your money? I, um, you, can, uh, you can jump on True Low Time to determine that for yourself. I always like to call out the ones who are great. You know, okay. Even when I was doing driver management, you, uh, you champion the great ones. Uh, because essentially that's what we want to do is identify what good looks like. What is the benchmark? What is the gold standard? And we want everyone to rise to that level. All right, Ultimately, fine. Then who get... looks good? Who looks good? We'll have fun with that one. Okay, okay, okay. Uh, so I went through the uh, I went through the Freightways 2022 Shipper of Choice Winner uh, Awards. You know that was uh, that you guys published in Arkansas a few weeks back. Oh, okay. I have to I have to agree that um, most of the companies in that list did a fantastic job. But I will say the interesting caveat here is. And I'm looking off to my left at a uh, some Power BI figures. It's interesting when you scrub the uh, drop hook data out of the live load, live unload, you start getting a, a little bit different picture at some of mm. these companies. Yeah. Now, 
most of these guys, they're, they're huge, and the drop hook operations are, are fairly efficient. You know, we're seeing people get in and out of there in 20 minutes or less in most instances. But there are quite a few occasions where carriers are visiting these locations and either live loading or unloading, and it's taking two-plus hours. So, it, um, you know, that, that's a real interesting thing about what I'm doing because we partner with both mega carriers and owner ops. You kind of see both worlds. And, um, you know, we're in the early stages of trying to – to flesh this data out and make it publicly available to where it makes sense and you can do something with it. But there's definitely a difference between, you know, those live and, and drop hook styles of uh, operations. Yeah. And I would imagine the, the you know, the drop and hook, you got to put that in there or take it out, which, whichever way, because your owner operators, that's less advantageous for them. Right. I mean, they're not running into a drop and hook situation very much. Right. Yeah, you're exactly right. Uh, I think you see, there are quite a few new programs on the market uh, that, that deal with trailer sharing and things like that, yeah. that are trying to make efficiencies in the network. And I really love those types of uh, situations, but yeah, I mean, obviously it's, it's, it goes without saying that these, the live operations are definitely going to take longer than the drops. But I think my goal is to identify what both of those should be. You know, there's, there should be a standard for both the, the lives and the, uh, the drop hooks and then really get towards an objective shipper of choice kind of ranking or performance ranking, or at least use that data in conjunction with others as part of a, a KPI. Hey, Kevin, I, you got me curious because I, I keep looking behind you. What is in the middle? What's framed behind you? What is that Maersk thing? Yeah, so uh, the South Carolina Inland Ports, uh, it was primarily built for BMW and Michelin, uh, which are headquartered right there in Greenville, Spartanburg. Mm-hmm. So that particular Maersk container, it was the very first container to come out of that inland port. It was the inaugural container. It was well before the uh, ribbon cutting ceremony. It was just me and a couple of uh, drivers and trucks and a handful of employees with their cell phones and cameras. But that was the inaugural container process through the South Carolina inland port. See, I knew that had to have some value. Why else would would it be hanging on the wall? I I don't know anybody other than maybe Steve Ferrer who might, you know, hang something randomly like that on the wall. Yeah. Yeah, well, Steve doesn't even know what he's on his on his walls. No, he, he pays somebody wheel? else to do that. Yeah, he was like, "What ship wheel?" I'm like, "The giant ship wheel behind your head, dude." Yeah. He didn't even know it was there. I don't All right, know. Kevin, before we let you go, I got to ask you two things. One will be where your website is, but the other one is even more important: potato salad, eggs or no eggs? Eggs. Yes, right. sir. You don't get a cowbell, I guess. He doesn't even have a cowbell. <laughs> no so cowbell. Cowbell. I'll give you peace and love <laughs> for that one, brother. The check's in the mail, my friend. <laughs> I can't wait. We put eggs and mayo in it. Absolutely. Eggs and mayo. <laughs> All right, man. I appreciate that. Hey, how do people uh, join your, how do people go to your website and check it out and see if they want to get this info? Yep. www.trueloadtime.com. Uh, shoot me an email, kevin at trueloadtime.com. And, uh, Happy to uh, report that we've recently been acquired by 10 Street, and oh. we're rolling out a brand-new premier partnership program. If you guys uh, work with us now, the benefits, uh, not only now but uh, through the future, are going to be phenomenal. So definitely want to encourage everyone to get engaged now. We have a very limited number of premier partnership uh, positions available. There you go. So please reach out to us. Uh, again, email me, kevin at trueloadtime.com. He must know the mayor of Farmersville that we uh, had on Byron last week. Is, or Brian. I don't know of anybody who's been more perfectly typecast for like, mayor, as a mayor? Of, of Texas. Yes, if you were like doing like mayor of Texas and he oh, would be he's like, definitely that is, the guy. He looks like that's, that's his job. Guy. Absolutely. <laughs> Kevin, thank you so much for your time. Uh, congratulations here. Now you get a cabell for the 10th Street acquisition. We appreciate you coming on. And go check out their site. You don't want to waste sit at docks. Waste of money, right? Complete no, you don't. Time. Go get do paid, something, man. Go get paid. 
Go do something about it. All right. Your customers inventor, and inventors, your customers <laughs> and investors want uh. to know that your company is serious about sustainability. Show them the depth of your commitment when you rely on AIT worldwide logistics for your freight forwarding needs. From scope three carbon footprint reporting to calculating emissions at the transaction level, partnering with AIT sends a clear message to stakeholders. You mean business when it comes to sustainability. Learn more at Tell them, dude. Hey, go to AITWorldwide.com. Right All now. right, Battle of Beards, right? We're going to have three, so we got me, and then we just had our last guest, and now we're going to have Graham Gonzalez on. He's Director wow. of Strategic Accounts at Reliance Partners. I feel so and, uh, naked. He's bringing a powerful beard with him, too, and I believe he was also in Arkansas when we were out there. Uh, you didn't get caught in one of those escape rooms by Tom Carrey, though, did you? <laughs> no, unfortunately not. I did not have the pleasure, but it was good to see you all there. <laughs> <laughs> hey, I saw something. So I was on Twitter. I saw Chattanooga State put out this thing that um, I think it was like West, 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 Weston Wamp or something like that. But last week they had done something with Chattanooga State College and they're really bringing the supply chain education to the forefront. Then today I went over to your LinkedIn. It looks like Reliance was a part of that as well. That's really cool. Absolutely. We're happy to partner with Chattanooga, Chattanooga State University and several other universities and colleges uh, or Chattanooga State College, I should say on the future of supply chain. Um, we're truly playing into that. So we appreciate the conference for sure. But the next generation of logistics professionals are, you know, they're hopping on uh, the supply chain in the next two, three, four years here. So we're investing heavily in the recruiting and training of these different schools and colleges and the programs they're developing. Um, so we can make sure and ensure we're contributing to the future of supply chain ourselves. Well, Greg, it yeah. sounds like we need some smart IT minds over in this side, too. Supply <laughs> chains are vulnerable yeah. to cyber attacks. I believe they're up. I mean, I saw two different sources. One said 51% in 2021. Another one said they tripled. Either way, it's a big issue. We read yeah. plenty of headlines on it. But can you tell us what's going on? What's the state of cyber attacks and supply chain right now in uh, summer of 22? Absolutely. So there are... Uh, I'd say closer to 200% is more accurate than what we've seen in terms of the increase in cyber attacks. It's been pretty ridiculous um, due both domestically and also to events in Europe as of late. What we have seen is that there's not specific insurance markets that focus solely on the transportation space for cyber coverage. So what that means is that we're sharing cyber markets for shippers, motor carriers, 3PLs. Um, uh, they share the same cyber markets with all of these other industries, banking, with tech, so that when these other markets are taking cyber losses and hits, that can actually play into the insurance costs and pricing for cyber liability. So what we've seen, I'll, I'll give you a couple of claim stories because people tend to like these the most. Yeah. Um, yeah. Let's start with the shipper. So there was a shipper that we work with, and they actually were hit with a cyber attack. It usually happens right before a holiday, consider a long weekend. Um, that's a great time for a cyber attack to happen, unfortunately, because what that means is there will be less people on staff, less systems um, that can report that there was something happening until, let's say, the Tuesday after. So what happened in this case is that uh, there was a phishing scam. An employee clicked on a link. It actually infiltrated the um, ransomware into that system, that shipper system. So they were offline for eight days total. Uh, their cyber coverage had to pay out 500 to 750 I believe, in loss. That's on the upfront. Then they had to do a full loop in their forensics team, a full cyber sweep to see were carriers affected, was customer information affected, were our employees' information leaked. And so at that point, they have to let all of those parties know. They need to let every motor carrier who works with that piece of the supply chain know their information was leaked. So there's several pieces to a, a cyber claim, but we're seeing it so, so much more commonly in logistics now. It's, it's, been, uh, it's been rough for these logistics companies. Yeah, so, Graham, why is it that that supply chains are such a target? Why, why is that That's so? A great why is that so popular? 
think about this. Historically, you're probably not going to see a, a, let's say, a freight brokerage that has a really robust cyber policy in place because it has not been the norm. It has been atypical to see cyber claims and logistics. So that means it's a ripe market for ransomware attacks. There's not as much protection. There's not as much multi-factor authentication. There's not EDR protocols um, to detect in the system when something goes wrong and look for these patterns. So it has just been an, an underserved or underprotected industry. And so I think there's a lot of opportunity on the cyber end. And that's why we're recommending every piece of the supply chain, shippers, motor carriers, freight brokers, manufacturers, have some kind of cyber policy in place to defend against these attacks. Yeah, I mean, movies always portray it as like a guy in a hoodie and there's a bunch of numbers like the Matrix going in there typing. But a lot of cyber attacks are actually pretty low tech, right? They're exploiting things like unpatched software and uh, there's someone clicking a link in there or they're social engineering. You're getting a text message from someone pretending to be your boss to go get some credit cards and they lead you down the uh, I mean, some uh, gift cards. They lead you down the rabbit hole. That's right. Um, That's true, right? Yeah, exactly. And. I mean, commonly what we'll see is a ransomware attack. Someone will click on a link, it'll download a phishing software, and then they're going to get an email or a phone call in a couple of days that's going to say basically, hey, we are we want a million dollars in Bitcoin from you. Um, otherwise, we're going to mess up your stuff. And it, I mean, it can be as simple as that. That's why an insurance market can pay out on that. But the repercussion of it could be, I mean, eight days offline, what's the business interruption cost for that? That same first claim we talked about is now up from 500000 Now it's been $2.2 million in payout from the insurance market. And so that's going to raise everyone's premium on cyber. It's, I mean, it's 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 not fair. It's ridiculous. We don't like to see it, but that's why we recommend a strong cyber strategy in place. Yeah, that's it. You got any more horror stories on on some of these attacks? Yeah, I have a better case scenario. Um, we had a client who suffered a similar situation right before a holiday weekend. They suffered a cyber attack. Um, they weren't aware. They actually got a call from the cyber insurance market. Their forensics team detected some changes in their system. So they actually reached out to the insured to let them know. Um, able to get paid, I believe that one was about $500,000 from the insurance market. But that being said, all the systems were back online in less than less than um, eight days. So it actually, it, there wasn't as much business interruption in that case. But at the same time, it could have gone much worse. They could have been offline for a long time, not able to contact their shipper and motor carrier clients. People could have been affected, third parties and vendors. So there could have been a lot more bad phone calls that needed to be made. But the forensics team was able to jump into place pretty quickly on that one. So we we're very happy to see that. How do you determine the value of loss? Like you actually made a good point here. Like they're down eight days and you lose the business during those eight days. But it's it's worse than that, right? You, you Your reputation is damaged. Uh, you lose trust with with some shippers, and and the mm-hmm. echoes of that can extend a while. Then whenever everyone Google's you, they go, "Oh wait, they got a, they got ransomware." Yep, and I mean that could be placed right in a Google review of your company, couldn't it? And that would not be that would not be very good. But unfortunately, um, I'd say insurance is a relationships business, so we're trying to focus on putting the best face forward on a really tough situation when that does happen. So um, unfortunately, yes, all of those pieces can be affected, and it can be a little bit tragic in some instances, but. Imagine if a company does not have any sort of cyber strategy and they're attacked. <laughs> I mean, who, who are you going to call at that point, right? It yeah, well, Graham, and one thing yeah. I like about you guys is you always talk about preventative maintenance here versus yeah. calling your insurance mm-hmm. company. Have the insurance, but like, don't don't use it as a way to protect yourself. Okay. It's a last case resort. You got to yeah. use these best practices. What are a couple just bullets that people could use and employ right now and should be thinking about to secure their, uh, their cyber supply chain? 
Uh, that's a great question. I'd say multi-factor authentication. So just a couple of different ways employees and leadership can log in for your business. That takes, um, if I were shopping for cybersecurity for, let's say, a freight brokerage, I have access to 30 markets that I would consider placing that coverage with. If you don't have multi-factor authentication, that shrinks it to only four options who would consider writing your coverage. The reason being, you're not taking the care and effort to protect your business from something like that. And then having a good EDR protocol, that's endpoint detection and response. That means you have systems running that will um, basically auto detect if there's some kind of change or some kind of malware that has been installed. So having those two pieces, I mean, they're not going to break the bank on a monthly basis, but they will greatly curb the risk of a cyber attack happening and are very preventative. You know, ignorance isn't going to take you very far here either, saying you weren't aware of something. That's just negligence at this point, saying that you weren't aware or you didn't patch your software, you know, you're, you're running an old version of Windows or whatever, whatever you have going on. Right. Um, before we let you go, most important question of the interview, eggs or no eggs in the potato salad? I would say eggs. <sighs> That's, I, I got to stop asking these Southerners. I got to start. I got <laughs> to talk to some people in the Northeast. Somebody from the Finally North. get no egg answer out of me. Graham, where do people go to get more information about this? Yeah, they can have it or head over to reliancepartners.com or email me, graham.gonzalez at reliancepartners.com. Um, we cover motor carriers, shippers, freight brokers, basically every piece of the supply chain, and we'd love to talk cyber strategy. Excellent stuff. Thank you so much, Graham. Take care. Yeah. <laughs> I love it. Eggs, this is brother. Tough, man. This, this is tough. And we have to do this competition, this potato salad competition down here in the south. I got to load the jury pool with some uh, northeasterners. You got one. You got a couple. Okay. All right. So, hey, I got a question for you. What kind of a trucking company needs to be productive, safe, and profitable stay in business, my friend? Most of them, right? Yours most does for yes. sure. Yes, absolutely most. That's why the folks who built keeptrucking.com just rebranded to Motive. Go That's safe. That's why they did it? That's Well, they did it, so you could go safe, go productive, go profitable, gomotive.com. Now, what's that? Sense. You say, you say, what's that? I think it's, it says gomotive.com. Gomotive.com. That's it. All right. You got, I got it, it, brother. All right. You're fixed. Speaking of, this is like a reunion show of people we ran into in Arkansas on the floor I love of the event. It. And that was the awesome thing about being in live events. Because a lot of times, yes. like, like on LinkedIn, right, you have a connection, you'll have like a quick back and forth with someone, and then it doesn't go anywhere. There's something about like being real and someone just giving you a little piece of their story real quickly. And this is what Brittany had did. Yeah. She came out to us and she said, hey, how can you never have someone like me on your show? And we were like, <laughs> we will have you on our show immediately. We'll just got to book you. We get back to Chattanooga. And we did. And it's Brittany Trailer. She's a CEO at Trailer Transpo LLC, a new company she's building. She has an amazing backstory and all of that. Brittany, thanks for coming on the show. Hi, guys. How are you today? We're doing great. Where are you, where are you hanging out right now? Is this the uh, new uh, tra- uh, Trailer Transpo offices? No, this is here my home office today. Well, I like Ooh, it. I, I like the nice backdrop that you put up and all that. Yeah, yeah like- I figured it would be a nice. <laughs> <laughs> well, how did Arkansas treat it. you? It's interesting because you get such a wide cross-section of people that come to an event like uh, the future of supply chain from big to small to new trucking companies that have, that have just formed and are trying to grow and get bigger. What was your takeaway? Um, this was my first trade show, so mm-hmm. it was very interesting. And then also, you know, the world just opened back up. So um, just being in the entire environment was um, exciting for me, very new for me, very different. Um, I really didn't know what to expect. So um, overall, very good outcome. Um, I did not see as many trucking companies there or just a trucking presence there that I was expecting a little bit more. But overall, I had an amazing experience. 
Yeah, a lot more tech that is involved in these shows, sure. right? Than just uh, straight up like uh, the great trucking show. Yeah, or like here's the new like Freightliner. That's not yeah. necessarily that show. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's all the other. You know, but you know one one thing that interesting in your background uh, that that hit us, uh, Brittany, and and I worked inside the corrections as well. I was yeah. not a corrections officer, but I, I ran the stores and kitchens for Aramark, the distribution for that type of stuff. You got any stories from the uh, from uh, working at the corrections and anything you brought over to trucking from there? Yeah, I have interesting stories. Some stories that I shouldn't tell on air. So <laughs> yeah, I know that. I know that. <laughs> but um, overall, absolutely. How do you manage people? Um, how do you handle people? How do you go on disciplinary actions? How do you give people a second chance? So just working overall with people and guiding people and already kind of overtaking that leadership role that has definitely tremendous, tremendously helped me with driver retention and just, you know, obtaining drivers. That is Besides a great point. You know, de-escalation is. is huge, right? Huge. There's a lot of drivers out there. They don't like to be told what to do or, or they can, you know, they can be a little aggressive at times when you give them information. So de-escalation yeah. is really important there because you start fighting against that thing. You get an angry driver who's just going to walk out the door on you anyway. You're not going to get your stuff delivered. You know fully about that because you yourself used to be a driver, right? How long did you drive a truck for? Absolutely. I started with Swift in 2016 and... Um, yeah, that was a really scary experience. You know, I didn't really know what something was all about. You know, I'm like, hey, I'm ready to do something different. And um, he, I'm here uh, five two in this big rig um, and can, you know, barely see over the windshield. <laughs> so <laughs> it was definitely fun. And then I started there. I went into the off world afterwards. So that was a little bit more physically demanding. So I liked that very much. And then I'm like, um, OK, what am I really doing? So I started getting into being a lease driver, being a trainer at Western Express, and then um, start dispatching myself, learning how to utilize the load boards. And then kind of one thing led to the next. And then in COVID, I was an open deck driver and that market just completely crashed. So that for me was the breaking point of, okay, I think it's ready. I'm ready to go to the next level. I have lived over the road in four years now studying and just trying to make sure that I grasp and understand every concept and everything that goes with it. And a huge deal to me was it's more disciplinary than rehabilitation. So a lot of things that I do with my drivers now is how do we rehabilitate you rather than how do we discipline you? That's a great point, right? Positive impact on on people's life. I like that you brought that forward. The one thing that I learned inside uh, working uh, inside the penitentiaries was to respect everybody because you don't know what kind of demons that they're dealing with and why they're actually right there and what's sure. in their mind. So you got to respect everybody. I got to ask you this though, right? Because Dooner and I talked about this in the in the locker room beforehand. Why do some people say flatbed and others say open deck? Is there a difference and that I've missed in my thirty four years, or is it just a preference of of vernacular? It's regional, like. Eggs in your potato yeah. salad, maybe. No, yeah, it's definitely different because within the open deck industry, you still have several different types of equipment. So me specifically, I started, of course, with flatbed. flatbed. Um, I think everybody kind of starts there. And then you kind of can branch off to RGNs, low boys, and step decks and things of that nature. And go. because I am shorter, I always liked step deck since, you know, the trailer is only three foot off the floor and I can check everything top, 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 and don't have to go on top of the equipment, climb on top of the trailer and things of that nature. 
I love it. Now, did you find it difficult to get people to like listen to you or to get respect being like a five foot two inch woman in trucking? Or are people like, you know what, she's pulling it, she's pulling it, she's fine? Well, 50 50, I would say. Um, or maybe 70 30 more. So, so yes, gaining my respect is definitely different than um, I would say male, um, my male components. But um, as soon as I start, you know, kind of having a conversation and kind of talking and also letting you know that I'm ready to dig and get my hands dirty with you, so to say, combined with the competence and structure and operational things, how we lead things, um, that makes things a little easier. But absolutely, it's a male dominated world here in trucking. And that does or that can make things tough. But I don't really get caught up into that. Well, you shouldn't because plenty of people do respect you. For Amen. example, J.B. Hunt, Shelly Simpson, she wrote this on LinkedIn when she was wrapping up the event. She said, uh, Brittany Trailer, proud of you starting your own company. Just like Mr. Hunt, founded by a driver for drivers, you too can be the startup everyone is talking about in 10 years. Never give up. What did that mean to you? That was everything. That was amazing. I'm like, now nah, I got my money worth. <laughs> that was everything to me. Absolutely. That meant so much. And I think that was for me the breaking point of, um, you know, why am I here at this event and what is it that I really need to do? And it took me a little while to really approach her and have, you know, the guts, so to say, to walk up to her and just kind of network with everybody overall. And I'm definitely glad I did it. And that was definitely a changing point in the event for me that I am so glad that I came here and just that put is, myself that out That is there. wrong. That is really yeah. Awesome. I'll give you a for that. Con congratulations. <laughs> and, and I'm glad you, she got this. So tell us a little bit about the business. You're building, you're building your own company now. Tell us uh, how it started and where you're at now. Right. So it started um, with a Facebook ad about three years ago. I'm like, hey, you know, the trucking market for me is crashing. I'm hauling loads from Colorado to Texas for a dollar a mile, I might as well deadhead, you know? So um, what can we do? So let's start being a broker. So that's what we started initially. And I put out a Facebook ad and then I met an amazing uh, lady in California and we just start pulling up our laptops <laughs> on the balcony and started practicing cold calling and watching broker videos together and things of that nature. And then about a half a year in, um, we decided, okay, this is not as simple without hmm. having our own assets. So let's go ahead and also start a trucking company. And once we did that and combined that um, that asset piece to our brokerage, that's when things really took off. And uh, I've been running this business, um, I think, for a year until we kind of grossed a million dollars. And that was the first day that all of the team members came together and actually saw to, saw each other. So I've not met my team members until like really a, a year later. So that was yeah. pretty amazing. That's a good point you make with having your own assets really opens up uh, doors. There's there's people out there that'll throw an MC number on a Tonka truck and say we're asset based and really pull the wool over yeah. people's eyes and try and get that business by saying that stuff. Now, uh, looking at your website and understanding the business, you you focus mostly on power only and then the open deck as you as you explained to us. Why why those two? Right now with just how the trailer demand and um, how the staff shortage is going overall here in America, that is just a no-brainer to be power-only round trips on both ends when it comes to driver retention, but it also comes to shipper satisfaction. So now doing something power-only lets you as the shipper, even if you're dealing with a staff shortage and things of that nature, lets you get that load ready really on your own time. 
Now that time doesn't interfere with my carrier or with my own drivers. So now they're happy because they're not sitting there getting three, four hours um, loaded. Now within that power only, we tend to focus on round trips. So now we're able to obtain more carriers and smaller carriers that don't have any trailers. So, um, you know, by the time we post a load, it's gone instantly. And, you know, we have people coming back to us constantly. Yeah, well, he was talking about um, talking about building that website. And I was looking at some yeah. of your slapping MC numbers. I was looking at a video you posted of some of your trucks. You're getting your logo slapped on there and everything. How big is the uh, how big yeah. is the fleet now? How many trucks do you have? Five right now. We're still okay. definitely growing and um, trying to increase capacity. But now, you know, with the rates and also the prices of the assets, it's just not the best time to increase capacity at this time. So at this point, we're really mainly focused on our brokerage and just managing the relationships that we have and really growing within that. Well, yeah, because you said, uh, you know, you said when you started the business, one of the reasons you did is you're well aware of the volatility. So the fact that the spot market is way down right now and things are coming down, I mean, that's not really a surprise and freight. It, It happens, right? The, the hard part is when you can get pinned with some really expensive equipment and everything. How do you plan on navigating through this first year, though? You kind of said you're going to focus on these things, but where do you want to be by this time of May of next year? I would like to have our capacity increased by um, 15 trucks. Um, mm. We have a good, good plan as far as driver retention goes. Um, I train. I used to be a trainer. I have other trainers within my fleet. So that makes it pretty simple for us to kind of grab students that are just getting out of school, training them ourselves to the standard that we see fit, and then also having a buddy system in place that they have somebody that they can call 24-7. And then um, the way we structure our trucking company right now is everybody starts off as a company driver and then has the opportunity to really make a career out of this. You know, um, a lot of trucking companies, I mean, once you have the CDL, that's kind of all it is, you know. And what we do here is kind of empower people, give transparency and uh, give them the opportunity to get to that level where they are lease drivers, owner operators, hire their own driver and things of that nature. So I kind of focus more on the people, on how to overcome this barrier that's, you know, and all this inflation that's going on this year. You know, she said something interesting there that she talked about empowering the driver. How do you think that driver, what makes drivers feel empowered, not just within your company, but in general? What What is key to making a driver feel like they have some control over their day and their job and their career? Transparency and awareness. Hmm. I believe transparency and also kind of understanding why we're doing the things we're doing. So you can help and assist make it decisions, the decisions that we are like, hey, we're doing these runs and we're um, running you this route this or next week for X, Y and Z um, reason. And then, you know, we have team meetings and everything we do is very transparent. So it just makes sense to everybody. There's nothing that's going on that nobody understands to onto why it's going on, if that makes sense. Well, hey, you yeah, got a no, good opportunity right now to tell uh, shippers, brokers, carriers out there why they should work with you. Oh, and, you know, employees and drivers who want to join the company. Amen. Why should someone hook up with you? If you want to make trucking a career as a driver, this is where you need to be. Um, you have 24-7 report, uh, support 
And, um, you know, not just back office support. I'm talking about, you know, you don't know how to get a landing gear up and you really need help. You know, there's no book in trucking and there's yeah, a quadrillion YouTube videos, of course, that can help you. But you can call um, your mentors. You can call within our buddy system. And there is somebody to pick up the phone and guide you completely through. So if you want to make trucking a career, this is where to be. And um, absolutely for shippers, power only if... Um, you're looking for some dependable carriers. You know, all our drivers have uniforms on and things of that nature. And uh, we train them to the best of our standards. So, um, yeah. And why, why uniforms? And uh, do the drivers like wearing them? I think it's cool, you know, because we have a cool company name. It's Trailer Trap. But then also uh, we want to stand out. So, you know, how can we as a small carrier still stand out? And I believe wearing that, you know, the Trailer Trap hat, and the trailer trap shirt definitely makes a difference and also unity and just, you know, we're all part of the puzzle. Everybody just plays a different role. I like it. Well, I got I, one. Last, I love it. I got I one last question for her then. I bet I know what it is. Potato salad, eggs or no eggs? Eggs. eggs. Oh, I knew she was going to say eggs. I was almost going to so tell you don't ask her because I, I know what I the know. answer is. Already. I I looked where the company was based. <laughs> I, I, I knew I was in for it. All right. Where do people go to learn more? <laughs> All right. Yeah. Check us out on all social media platforms. We're trailertranspo.com, trailertrapinc.com. That's our trucking company. And you'll find us on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram. And um, yeah, that's about it. I haven't figured out uh, Snapchat yet and TikTok, so I'll figure it out. But yeah. right. Well, you don't have to worry about Snap, but TikTok definitely you want yeah, to get, get some into stuff. TikTok. Yeah, we got a guy on there. We got a guy, a former trucker who's now doing our TikTok, and his giant head, Justin's giant head, had like 700,000 views on one of his TikToks <laughs> last week. It's crazy. <laughs> I know. I know. I love it. to the top of the back of truck awesome. up TikTok. It's fantastic. Awesome. Well, we appreciate your time. Thank you so much for coming on today. Uh, thank you, guys. Y'all have a great day. Take care. Right on. Peace. You know, this is a perfect example, awesome. too. Like, at, at conferences or digitally online, just come up to us. If you think you've got a great story or you want to be on the show and you, you think you have something to offer someone, come up to us and just tell us your story. Say hi. We don't bite. That's, like, exactly what happened at the event. She told us, like, a little bit about her background. And yeah. we're like, we love featuring stories like that. What are you talking about? We'll have you come on immediately. Yeah, I'm so glad she had such a great experience at, at our event as well because, you know, just her saying she had to get up the nerve to talk to Shelly kind of made me giggle a little bit because Shelly is, I mean, talk about an approachable person. She's always kept it real. I know, but when you don't know someone like that. You don't. You're someone, I know. You, know. you feel like you're pestering someone, you know. I get it. But use your voice. Stand up. That's why people are there. Everyone's there to, to, to network. Yep, absolutely. All absolutely. right. History lesson, Michael Vincent. Lay it on me. For over 35 years, Fleetworthy Solutions has provided a single source of solutions to help monitor and manage DOT compliance while mitigating risk for private and for hire carriers. With advanced technologies and exceptional client services, Fleetworthy becomes an extension of your team to make your company go beyond compliant. <laughs> right, little big deal, little deal. Ooh, little switch up there. Big deal. All right, well, this one will explain it to you first. Let's just show this video. Just do it. Okay, what's going on here? It's an M5 in Australia, Sydney. This is near the end of April. Look at that, doubles right there, too. Whoa! I think that was a fair use of that of that F word. Yeah. Wow. So, yeah, if you look at it, so it's speeding. It, I don't Are they slowing down or is that speeding up? Are they slowing down because there's something ahead of them? They I wish dude locked up him. his brakes right there up, up against him. It didn't look, I don't understand how that happened. But, man, but did they rapidly decelerate the car with the camera? 
Is that what? Is that why the truck was so fast on them? It didn't look like it. But then why would the truck speed up like this and make that maneuver if it wasn't for like that was the only thing they could do? <sighs> I don't know, man. I don't know. Well, fortunately, nobody got injured in that one. I mean, yeah. wild wreck. So you're talking that about truck doubles driver that didn't even get injured. Nobody got injured. Oh, I mean, mild injuries on the truck driver. When you're talking about two doubles that just took out yeah, the entire yeah, road yeah, there. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Exactly. Didn't hit anybody? Unbelievable. And who knows what the weight in those suckers were? That yeah. is freaking crazy, dude. Here's a big deal or a little deal for you. This steakhouse right here. Show this little uh, awareness here, dude. Ninety minute time limit, dude. So order, eat, and get out. Where is this? Steak, STK Steakhouse? STK Steakhouse, my friend. Okay, I am a po- I used to be a waiter. I've been a waiter for uh, yep. many years when I was in college. Mm-hmm. Um, and I understand you got to move tables. Ho- yep. However, I've also been to steakhouses before, and at steakhouses, sure. you drop a lot of coin. And people like to go to steakhouses. They like to come in. They like to have, you know, their wine or their bourbon or whatever. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You like to get your appetizers sure. all laid out. You like to get the steak. You like to get a bottle of wine with dinner. You like to... Uh, yeah, you're talking to like a Charlie's or something like that where you're going to drop like 100 bucks on a, a Wagyu steak, right? And you're going to drop like $1,200 on the meal. Oh, yeah. You know, you're gonna dessert. You're doing everything. Sure. I'm saying, is 90 minutes enough? No. I, I have not been to a steakhouse like that where 90 minutes was enough. So I, this would put me out uh, if that were the situation. Now, you know, somebody going up to Sizzlers. <laughs> Sizzlers is fine. And yeah, like, I don't so know if STK is like high end. Uh, it looks like, like it is. I something. mean, for the menu, I'm going to say it looks like it's very, fairly decent. But even at like Ruth's Chris, I'm still hanging out for a while. Oh, yeah. Not, like, you're well, Ruth's, Chris, money, Ruth's Chris still high end, man. I mean, that's not like a McDonald's or anything like that. Do you think right? they should start making announcements over the loudspeaker like in Chops? Like, <laughs> you at Table 5 has one hour, one hour left to so there was a real quick uh, Silvestro's Depot Cafe, Painesville, where I grew up. Yeah. Great Italian place. As soon as you came in, you sat down, you ordered everything right there all the way through the dessert. They came, they gave you your coffee, and you were out. If you didn't, Sylvester would stand there and stare at you till you left. You know, I hate this thing, too, about the uh, – I hate this because the, the, on the waiter, it puts the burden on them to kick the table out. Yeah. That's the last thing you want to do when you got this high-end table here where you're talking about 15 10%, 20%, 25%. That could be multiplied. If you're going to get away with this, it's got to be a shtick. Like, there's a the Oyster House, whatever, in Boston where you go in yeah. and they just abuse the hell out of you. you got to make it like that. Yeah, 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 yeah. Like Dick's Last Resort or something. Yeah, yeah. It's got to be your shtick. Yeah. Right? Yeah, uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. I get it. All right, Michael Vincent, your wife ordered a Crock-Pot on Amazon. Let's hope it's not in this delivery van. Let's take a look. Dum, Boom. <laughs> here it goes. Look at that thing. Oh, Those he was not bumps. expecting that second bump, was he? So there's a TikTok <laughs> called Speed Bump Olympics, right? And okay. they just have cars and trucks all day long getting hit by these speed bumps. Yeah. And there's two speed bumps in a row for you audio listeners. They're about five feet apart. And yeah. the first one gets people up. It just it gets them <laughs> up and down uh, pretty majorly. And, I, you know, the person on the site, it was like, well, are these clearly marked? Do, do people know they're there? Apparently, there's a sequence of speed bumps just down the street from there. And there's plenty of signs. People are just very oh, they're impatient. Painted. You can see they're painted with the yeah. Yeah, but they yeah. look like arrows going, but those look like in Mario Kart, they'll make you go faster. Well, are they those kind of those three, you ever see those 3D ones when you're driving up like in the middle of the night, it looks like it's a, like a pole standing up, but it's actually just painted on the ground? Uh, yeah, I don't know. That's why your stuff's broken, though. That <laughs> is why my, my, my suspension shot in my truck. <laughs> you know what, Dooner? Sometimes it is much better to be lucky than good, and this just proves it here, man. Look at this. This is from All Colorado, the, storms, the late right? May snow. Gotta love this. Check this guy out. This was out. just a couple days ago. Yeah. Not, so, look at this. Whoa, there's a ballet right hit, there. My no, he friend. didn't hit that. He didn't hit that. He didn't have he didn't nothing. Hit, did he hit the did he hit the I, I don't even think he hit the cop. cop. Mm-mm. No, this guy just yeah. That, have you ever had a spin out like this? Oh, where yeah. Oh, yeah. I have too on the black ice and I didn't hit sure. anything except for a snowbank. Yeah. No, I've been into plenty of snowbanks. I had a driver once in central Pennsylvania 
take a set of doubles across a bridge and do a, a complete uh, uh, 360 across it and, and pull it right out. Now, some people were wondering, like, why he didn't just drive up that embankment and use that kind of as a runaway ramp. The thing is, even, like, the slightest nudge of the wheel, and by the time you see which direction you're going, and this is why these slips look like that, is one slight move is a major overcorrection. Yeah, yeah. You got to take your foot off the gas, off the brake, start rolling, and try not to steer it like a – or try and steer it like a boat, which is difficult because your reaction is to swerve completely the other way, and that's when you start fishtailing, getting crazy. So do you yeah. do you think that that was the driver's skill, or do you think that was luck? Uh, I think it was a combination of both because they clearly did not like hit the gas or slam on the brakes. It didn't look like they didn't, to me. yeah. And they tried to do it, so I think it was both, really. Okay. Well, big issue going on in America, by the way. I don't know if you have heard the sounds of. But apparently the boomers are wiling out there playing a lot of pickleball. And if you're not familiar with pickleball, take a look at this video. I'm kind of sure. I didn't know what it is. I had to look it up when I was reading this uh, this story about the pickleball menace, which some say is the most annoying sound ever. Um, Parks and Rec put on notice, not the show, Parks and Rec Department in Philadelphia, they were put on notice by Water Tower's neighbors over pickleball noise. An email sent from a Gmail account called Stop Pickleball cites a part of the city's home charter rule, which states that no person shall create or cause or permit the creation of sound <laughs> originating from a property used for a non-residential purpose that exceeds five decibels above background level measured at the property Ooh. boundary of the nearest occupied residential compound. First of all, I hate any Anybody who writes stuff like that. Well, that would be a lawyer. Yes. <laughs> the town. <laughs> but it's a, like, apparently it's a big issue. So all these, uh, apparently a lot of seniors have been playing these things. In the senior communities, they've converted a lot of yes. these courts to pickleball yes. courts. They love it. It was something they could do during the pandemic. And it was great. But the town hates it. Apparently everyone can hear it. It sounds like pop, pop, pop. The town has already reduced total allowable pickleball <laughs> hours by 30%. Dude. You, can, you could you used to be able to play. What? Listen to this. In America. <laughs> I thought we were free here. In America, no. you used to be able to play pickleball in this area from 8 to nine, eight in the morning to 9 p.m. at night. And now you got to play from 9 to 5. How are you going to play from 9 to 5? Those are working hours. And I guess these seniors might not be working, but yeah, even still. Yeah. <laughs> They're a menace. They're out there. They're causing people to have depression and anxiety over That's this and yeah, dropping per- property values. One, no? lady, one lady who lives in the community, she said, with all the complaints nationwide about pickleball noise, <laughs> nationwide. there are buyers who simply would not choose her, her property. All of this contributes to her anxiety and her depression, both of which she suffers from as a result of hearing people playing pickleball day and night. Yeah, you, you put that in your listing when you list your home now, dude? Are you going to put like that out if you sell your house, there? say not near pickleball? Retailers pickle- have to disclose that? Yeah, <laughs> maybe they do. But you know what? You can get around this. It says a non-residential property. Okay, so if it's an, you put it in your it backyard. It can emanate from a residential party. It can't be used for a non-residential purpose is what it says there. The sound originated from a property used for a non-residential purpose. So put one in your backyard and we're good to go, bro. Do we declare that someone's backyard? I don't know. That Let's might- put one in your backyard and try. All right. What do you think? <laughs> Maybe not. <laughs> crazy. What do you got? Oh man, dude, I, I am 56 year old and I'm a man, and this one just really hits home because you got Deacon Blues right here. Breaking news today: I used a piece of wood that I kept in my garage since 2006 <laughs> in case I might need it. Everybody's got that drawer, <laughs> that that <laughs> that closet, right? That thing, that thing that we keep. That I got thing the junk drawer. I got. Dongles for things that no longer yeah. already dongled uh, lighters. With so his wife came out and said, "Hey, I need you to build this." He says, "You know what? I got the perfect, perfect piece of wood." You know how happy right? this dude was? He yeah, was probably yeah, walking absolutely. around like a peacock all oh, day. Yeah, yeah, look, look at me! Look, see that piece of wood you wanted me to throw? Hell yeah! Look at that! I did that to my wife. So we had a uh, TV and a line like came down the side of it. So yeah. I, got, I got a new one. 
And I held on to it because I was like, I, this, we can put this in the kids' playroom. Can we ever get another place or anything? It's, like, it's just taking up room in the closet. Well, now it's sitting there in the playroom. The kids love it. They love it. Yeah. See? Vindicated. Absolutely vindicated. Sometimes we just have to keep things. We're not just packers. Find me on Twitter at Timothy Dooner. Find him at Vincent the Dude. Don't be a stranger and tell him how to be. Hey, peace and love. Spread it everywhere.